Hey there, welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we're just trying to make the world 10% nicer. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and uh, this week's guest is the super nice Jovan Wade. Jovan is, he's a lot of things, but first and foremost, he's a, a decent human being and the son of two decent human beings, both of whom were and are engaged in making the world a nicer place, just like he is today. On top of that, after, after that, he's an actor, producer, comic, director, writer, charitable foundation founder. Uh, he can drive a car. Uh, he works out. I'm pretty sure he can cook, you know, so just an all-around amazing superhuman. Super, you can call him a superhero since he plays one in the HBO Max DC Comics show Doom Patrol, uh, where he stars as Victor Stone slash Cyborg. It's kind of like two characters in one. I wonder if he gets paid double. Probably not. It's probably just a dumb question. Anyway, if you like British media, which is generally kind of smarter, kind of funnier, uh, you'll know him from his Mandem on the Wall web series, uh, TV stuff like Youngers, EastEnders, Doctor Who. He recently starred in The First Purge, a major motion picture, which is the most recent installment of the popular, kind of upsetting in all the wrong ways, Purge series. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I really did a lot. We talk about his success arc, beginning in Bromley, England, uh, continuing to London and Los Angeles. For comic fans, we get into that DC Doom Patrol show a little bit. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie at all. If you listen in, this is crazy. This <laughs> is crazy. You'll hear that there's an opening for me to be Iron Man. Probably, I, I mean, I think he meant like the next Iron Man. No, I'm not kidding. It's crazy. I might have to quit this podcast. Just mm, wait for it. We talk about the powerful power. I'm super excited. I, I've always wanted to be Iron Man. You know? Huh. It's going to change my life. Anyway, we talk about his impact, uh, the impact of hardworking parents who give a damn. If you're a parent, maybe you'll be inspired. You'll probably be inspired. You're going to be inspired. Jovan details his morning success routine. Super important to have a, a morning routine. His incredible multi-platform foundation kind of makes the Super Nice Club look like uh, the pale shadow of an invisible jar of pickles. I don't know. I don't know. A, a, a shadow of something. Invisible. I don't know. Um, now you know for sure that I just riff these intros. <laughs> I mess it up a lot. It doesn't matter. It's cool. His new projects have just landed. We talk about those. Science fiction, our mutual adoration for that genre, uh, and the age of new awesome black superheroes. We go deep. I mean, we really do, or at least Jovan does. I tend to skitter on the surface of things, you know, for fear of falling through, for, I guess, for, for fear of drowning, really. Um, hmm. Maybe I should do some work on that. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to me figure myself, figure myself out in real time or recorded time, whatever. Anyway, don't miss his super nice challenge for you. It's a really good one. Um, what else? Oh, need to quick, quick, like, need to talk about the Super Nice Club, a club that you really need to be, if you're not already, a member of, especially during the time we're in right now. A lot of people are not being nice to each other here in the United States. And I got to tell you, it's for no good reason. People are getting played, played against each other and themselves. And it's sad and it's insane and it's completely senseless. So since you're in the club, you, yep, 
It's on you to lead by example. You are more powerful than any politician out there. You can shape the future far more than any elected official. It's not just a line. It's not a kumbaya thing. It's the truth. Okay? It is. You can learn more about us, about the Super Nice Club, on Instagram, Facebook at at Super Nice Club, or find us online, superniceclub.com. You can get details about our mission to make the world eh, 10% nicer, at least to start. Also, the site, there's super nice merch, shirts, hats, stickers, things to help you spread the word in your community around this dead simple idea of making the world a nicer place. In fact, if your nice merchandise doesn't help you start nice conversations, you get your money back. It's no problem. You can also text um, nice cyborg. That's it. Nice cyborg right now to 310-421-0393. 310-421-0393 to join our Super Nice Club Insider community. You get invited to events, giveaways, local gatherings, Jovan's house, and more. And if you like this podcast, we just subscribe, pass it along to friends, post it up on your socials. Podcasting is such a crowded, crazy place. Something like 42 million new podcasts launch every minute in Alabama alone. It's crazy. So we really want to try to stand out. It can't happen. It won't happen without your support, without your help. Uh, And if we get big enough, we'll get a better host. (laughs) We'll just upgrade me because I'm going to be doing Iron Man. All right. Enough gum flapping, y'all. Here is nice work with super nice Jovan Wade. Jovan, Jovan Wade, thank you so much for being here today on the Nice Work Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me, bro. Good am I looking at your am I looking at your new house in LA? You are indeed, bro. This is it. We're here. You've gone Hollywood. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to be involved in the uh the industry they call Hollywood, so where better to be than Hollywood, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh the house looks nice. You've got Thank um you. what can I see? You've got a it's like an air conditioning vent up behind yep. you. Uh, you, if you can see in this Great. corner right here, you can yeah. see I've got a bunch of phrases. Hustle, the most important word ever. The best view is from the hardest climb. Something that I can look at each morning when I'm having my breakfast, you know? Oh, it's fantastic, man. <laughs> so this is a little bit dark, but to get ready for this podcast, last night I watched The First Purge <laughs> before going to bed. <laughs> oh. And I hadn't seen the other Purge movies, Okay. The only thing I'd seen having to do with Purge was a reference in Rick and Morty. You ever watch Rick and Morty cartoon? Yeah, I love it. Remember that episode where they do the Purge? Okay, Uh that's my experience with the Purge. But I got to tell you that this this future dystopia where this new ruling party, folks, this is kind of, I'm not going to give away much, but this new ruling party comes into the USA and they stoke these violent race wars and all kinds of stuff. And until a few months ago, watching this movie, I would have thought, oh, yeah, whatever, fantasy movie, I get the setup. That seems pretty impossible, Mm -hmm. right? But now we've got one of the biggest elections in this country's history coming up in four days as of you and I talking to each other. And I don't know. You know, things here don't feel so super nice all the time. We have so much work to do, you know, so much. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of feel like the, well, first of all, it was great that you hadn't seen any of the other ones because this is actually the prequel. So it's the first ever story, although it's the fourth movie. Um, so you started at the beginning, even though you were late. Um, so sometimes it's good to be late. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think that this movie was something in which I kind of even look back at it now and I'm like, wow, this, this feels real. This feels like this could actually happen. And mm-hmm. 
I'm the same. I have seen every other Fudge movie and I never really felt that connection or felt like it, it was in that way. But after this movie, it was like, wow, this could actually, it feels real. It feels like, it doesn't feel like a sci-fi movie. It feels like real life and, you know, an extension of what could happen if things didn't go the right way and the world wasn't super nice. So yeah, man. And that's the power of, of, of science fiction, really. We saw the same thing in The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that one, mm-hmm. but that one I almost had to turn off because that was just way too real. I yep. could see that coming off, you know. And it's always old white guys that are, that are doing this. That's just the face of, it's the face of Hollywood evil. Is it too real? I don't know. <laughs> I, I got to stay young or I'm going to be that. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, you, you are going to be super nice, Todd, I can tell. <laughs> so this is a funny bit, though. If you're watching, when you folks, when you go see The First Purge and you see Jovan, there's no, there's no British accent there. And so you held that accent together the whole time. Nobody in the cast knew that you weren't from the States until you rapped, right? And you just mm-hmm. dropped the accent out of the blue? That's it. That's it, man. It was like... For what for me for one when I'm playing a, a role especially if it's an American role it's yeah. it's just like a language you know so you might have friends in which I don't know maybe uh, Latin Spanish is their first language and when they start getting tired you know they start to kind of revolt back to their their native tongue it's the yeah. same with an accent your brain is and has to you know wire itself to say okay this is this is my native tongue right now and if I kind of go in and out of it then I'm concentrating on the accent more so than just it being subconscious so I can focus on my performance and my acting. So yeah, no one knew to the day that we wrapped and then I could be myself again and like, you know, going up to the crew and, you know, thanking them. But before that, I was this cat from New York and, and, and no one no one had a Scooby. Ah, oh, that you know what that tells me is that I would have th- I didn't I would never have thought this, that people working together on a major production, which first purge is a major production, I would think that you guys would be Googling each other. Like checking out each other's <laughs> IMDb, you know what I mean? They clearly didn't. Well, maybe they didn't no. care. Like, eh, well, it, like the crew, the crew, like the cast knew because, like, we hang out outside of like, yeah, 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 yeah. performing, you know. But when it yeah. comes to the crew, yeah, you see them every day at work, and the only time they see, what's going on, man? How you doing, bro? Like, I'm straight yeah. in the New York accent. I'm doing what I'm doing, you know. So it was like, um, they just had no idea. That was it. Awesome. So I do want to get a little bit into your background, then we'll bounce into all the amazing stuff you're doing now. But just to give folks that aren't familiar with your work uh, and who skipped past the intro that I'm going to record in a few days. <laughs> they're like, I don't want to hear the intro. I do that. I skip past intros on podcasts all the time. Like, I just want to get to the guest, man. Forget yeah. this guy. Um, you went to performing arts school near London. You did Shakespearean theater. You launched the, the massively popular, uh, like hundreds of millions of views. I don't know, Mandem on the Wall. Like, Huge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, started a BBC comedy show, uh, Big School. Uh, you were Jordan Johnson in EastEnders. You can tell I'm reading, right? Uh, you were Rigsby <laughs> for a couple of seasons on Doctor Who. Another yes. sci-fi shout-out. So cool. So cool. I had to watch a little bit of that, too. Um, and you, we talked about The Purge. And from that performance, you landed the role of the DC superhero uh, Victor Stone slash Cyborg. We say slash because... We just have to watch. If you don't know the character, there's definitely a slash. Um, in the DC Universe show Doom Patrol. And that's moving to HBO Max? Or was it already on HBO Max? Yeah, it's now moved to HBO Max from season okay. two. So season one was oh, DC okay. Universe. Season two is now HBO Max. So that's going to really blow things up even more, yeah. right? Yeah, man. Like, it's been great. Like, even just seeing the the, the growth of the audience. You know, HBO Max is, is also a new platform, but that's been growing 
very quickly. Um, the success rate of it is, you know, within launch has been bigger than Disney Plus, bigger than Netflix was, etc. So yeah, there's some real velocity coming to HBO Max, and it's it's amazing to have our show living in that in that space now. Do you get comparison? Do people any like fans write in and say, "Oh man, compare you to the the other actor that was doing Cyborg in the Flash"? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, there's always. I feel bad for that. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, it's also like there's a massive community of people who are kind of not in that space, and it's like, look, we're just so lucky that we get two actors to play this great character. And um, yeah, myself and and Ray Fisher, who plays um, Vic Stone, Cyborg in the Justice League, and movie, he's great too. Yeah, he's great yeah, too. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Exactly. I really, actually, I actually really like uh, the Flash Barry Allen of the TV show uh-huh, better than. Uh-huh than the film one they're doing, you know? I don't know. But I just got yeah. used to him, I guess. I like that yeah. flash. I got a question about Doom Patrol from a super nice club member, uh, Jennifer Nacino. Uh, she, wanted, she wanted to know what the most complex part about the costume was and how long it took to put it all together and get your camera ready. Was that tough or was it just like put the plastic eyepiece on, you're ready to roll? Um, no, I actually released a video on my YouTube channel uh, last week, uh, which shows the process of me getting my prosthetic oh. on for the for the for the eye. But it's it's actually uh, that's probably the most uh, what well, was the most difficult part um, because I have a rubber uh, gasket glued to my face, in which has magnets within it, in which then connects to the magnets within the actual mask, which then clips on to the mask, and that's how you know we, we ah, get there cool. um, yeah. so yeah that, that's that's the process of, of that and then when it comes to the actual suit itself the suit's amazing so you know the, the team lj and the super suits team the same team that created the iron man costume when you know the first iron man movie etc yeah. so they yeah. they they're in it they understand they know and so the suit is as comfortable as a superhero suit could be but also at the same time it's a superhero suit so it's right. you know it jacks me up it has me you know Dude, very, you're already very, very swole. Well. Don't even, don't even <laughs> pretend. I try, man. Every now and then. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. So I can just go, ah, you know, maybe someday. <laughs> so it sounds like you might have enough pull to get me into one of the Iron Man suits then? Like for Halloween? I, 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 I like potentially, for tomorrow? I potentially yeah. could, bro. Tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a call in. I'm going to see what we can do. <laughs> Great. And so, hey, everybody, if you want to ask questions of the Nice Work Podcast guests, uh, in advance, become a Super Nice Club Insider. Do that by, this is the commercial part, um, by texting um, Wade's World, Wade's World to 310-421-0393, 310-421-0393. If you didn't catch that, you can hit pause and then do that little boop, 15 second back thing and it'll play me saying that over twice more. Uh, with that, you'll get invites to all sorts of fun stuff, insider stuff, um, secret stuff. So I can't say anything else. Just it's all secret, secret society. Yeah, it's the secret stuff, yeah. All right, so that sort of sets things up a little bit. We could spend a whole bunch of time just on Mandom and, and you coming up out of that, but there's so many great podcasts and interviews in, on your wall that cover all that. So, folks, I, I urge you to go back and check out the, the backstory here. Um, but you did have a fierce desire, right, to do comedy and to act since you were a kid. So getting into the passion part of the podcast, this has been a lifelong thing, yeah? It has been, yeah. Like, um... As early as, as 12 years old, I was, you know, acting in, in drama schools and going to like extracurricular clubs in order to kind of just, you know, keep out of trouble, if you will, um, and just grew a love for acting through that. I used to play football, what you guys classify as soccer, 
um, uh, before I started acting, and that was going to be the road I went down. A lot of my family plays, still play professionally, um, and that was going to be where, where I went. My dad was a huge football fan, um, but I just found the love of acting, and and I was so much more passionate about it than I was about football. And so he said, look, just give me a chance to try and pursue this acting thing, and let's see if I can, you know, make as much money as as you guys would. Uh, and want me to do uh, football for so um and 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 yeah they gave me that chance and and here I am so have you ever thought about putting them together like maybe doing a biopic where you star like as Beckham maybe you know Is, yeah I was thinking more Pele more more Pele I, I was work, thinking more but, Beckham but, uh, but that's cool <laughs> <laughs> but yeah oh, tell I, me about I, tell me about Wall of Comedy uh, your platform you built your own platform. Yes, I did. So Wall of Comedy is a platform which I built um, in 2015. It derived from my first ever show, Man on the Wall, that I created in 2011. And off the back of the success of Man on the Wall and the JPD show, which was a sketch show that I'd done, I wanted to create a platform that would home all of my content and also other creators within the industry that were struggling to find homes and audiences for theirs. So the Wall of Comedy launched in 2015. And by 2018, we had grown the platform to 10 million followers. And it was the most viewed, the most successful online comedy platform in Europe and we're producing between three and 500 million views a month and working with all the biggest creators in the space for online youth culture and comedy um, and so you know that then opened out into various subsidiaries like the Wall of Talent which is a talent management company which we then uh, uh, manage the talent that we were working with and also the Wall of Productions which is my production company that we use to produce all of the, the TV shows movies and also online content that we use to work with these creators. So yeah, man, it's going really strong and, and we're now five years deep in that company. And I'm now here in, in LA and, and the aim and aspiration is to bring it over to the US and start to build here too. That's incredible. I, yeah. I, I didn't know about that, about the wall of talent and, and uh, the rest of it. My mind's kind of reeling on just how big that is. Uh, you must have partners in that, right? I do, yeah. 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 I but, have a business partner. I read that Will Smith, is someone this kind of I think it kind of pertains whose career you'd love to model yours after a little bit in that you know he writes directs produces acts I mean he does everything right mm. it sounds like with your platform there you're already jumping into that yeah 100 man entrepreneurism has been something that I've been very passionate about from a very young age and owning um, especially being a young black man you know we're told that we don't own enough and so you know go out there and create something that you can and so, yeah, acting, directing, producing, all of those strings, creativity altogether, you know, being an artist is what I'm most passionate about. And Will Smith's journey, just kind of watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and seeing how he made me feel and how and he I made so that. many others. Yeah, Phil, we, we still remember that theme tune today, you know, and I want yeah. to have that same impact that he had on so many lives that I can have on, on people's lives. So, um, yeah, man, like huge inspiration to me. You, I just want to congratulate you, by the way. I should have done this earlier. We should have started with this. Congratulations. Today, you dropped Wade in the Water, uh, a new project, a spoken word piece. Yes. Well, it hasn't dropped yet, has it? Uh, like, it technically, a few in, more hours? Te or like 30 minutes? In 30 minutes, yeah. In 30 minutes, yeah. 7 p.m. Uh, in, in the UK. Wade in the Water, this is a... what? Well, you tell us about it. I'm excited yes. about it. Yeah. Wade in the Water is a, a spoken word cinematic short film. So we basically marry spoken word with cinematic visual cinema, hence creating a new genre called Spinema, which is um, a project in which is taken Wade in the Water, the old Negro spiritual uh, hymn that got us through slavery. 
Uh, and we've basically kind of taken that and used that as the bed of this message of this piece in which is talking about systematic injustice, police brutality and where we are now and just opening up three different perspectives. Myself being a Brit, now a black Brit, you know, now living in America with British and Jamaican heritage. And then we have Llewellyn C. Radford II, in which he has a perspective on, you know, what if we were the shooters and everything was reversed and, and the idea that, you know, people are not understanding or not getting what has happened. And therefore, let's flip that perspective and allow you guys to be in our shoes for a second and, and, and experience that. And then finally, we have David Bianchi, who also directed the piece um, and co-writer in which is um, talking about it, you know, from his standpoint and really just kind of laying down some facts and perspectives and allowing people to really understand where we're actually at and what we've actually gone through. And we use a real strong narrative, which kind of concedes and pulls together these three strong poets and this message to create one cinematic experience for you guys. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, everyone seeing it and it's definitely going to provoke a lot of thoughts and um, be something which is which highly shareable. So the links to that will be in the show notes, folks. It's on the Million Youth Media YouTube channel, I am think, right? Yeah. Yep, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so check that out. I th what is it? It's, it's short. It's a short piece. Yeah, yeah. It's a 10-minute piece. It's a short yeah, film. Yeah, 10-minute piece. Um, so you guys piece. have the patience for that, all right? Don't be the short attention span theater, folks. Get out there. Watch the whole thing. I'm interested because I'm going to go out on a limb here and just kind of guess that most United States of Americans, uh, they don't really often think about especially if they're if they're not black, the inequalities and the racism happening in other countries, right? So I know here we didn't hear a lot about the 2011 London riots. We don't largely know who Mark Duggan was. Uh, not to get into crazy details, folks, but beyond that, Mark Duggan was a young black man shot by police under super questionable circumstances. The story kept changing. There were riots that were in London. Then they spread out all over England. Um, maybe all over the UK. I don't really know. Yeah. But I'm wondering if Wade in the Water, you know, it's going to tap into your experience as a, as a black man in England just as much as it taps into um, the sadness and anger over the innumerable killings of black USA citizens. So is, is, is the bridging of these experiences across the Atlantic, is that part of what we're going to see in Wade in the Water? Is that part of the message? Yeah, yeah, well, 100%, because my perspective, you know, even in my piece, I'm specifically talking about, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, the UK and the US, but at the same time, oh, okay. the, vast, the vast similarities and that, you know, as much as, because there's also a perspective that, you know, as um, African-Americans, oh, do you guys experience, uh, you know, racism? Does it even happen in the UK, blah, blah, blah? Yes, 100%. Um, but that's not something which is talked about nearly as much as, you know, what happens in the US. So shining that light, and although it might be in a different way in the UK, it's still the same message. It's still the same thing. As you said, Mark Duggan, 2011, was killed in, in the same circumstances as someone like George Floyd. And, you know, that's across the pond. It's the same message. It's the same thing. Um, so, yeah, it's not dissimilar. And that is saying and, and really trying to push the fact that this is a global issue. You know, we, we see SARS and what's happening in Nigeria currently. You know, this is a global issue, police brutality, period. And, and you know, that systematic injustice, it needs to stop. Absolutely. So another spoken word piece that you did that's live now is called Hear Me. This is another great one to watch. This is also with David Bianchi. It's a phenomenal piece. There's a lot of power to these four minutes. Uh, and it, David Shakespearean trained as well, or is he just a great spoken word performer? I mean, you both, yeah. you're both <laughs> he, so he, emotive in this thing, man. It's just fantastic. 
Thank did you. Yeah, you... no, go, go. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to cut you off. You're, you're a superhero, <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, David, David, he's just a phenomenal spoken word artist. He, he's also an actor, um, which is where, you know, that training comes from um, and, yeah. and the delivery. But yeah, Hear Me was a piece in which, yeah, it was about, you know, our, our experience of quarantine and being in this pandemic and what it actually means. And I was just asking those questions of what it means to be in this pandemic. Again, another thought-provoking piece that allows us to reflect and work out and give our perspective of why we think that we're here. And so, um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a powerful piece. And it was the, the, the first collaboration in which we've done on Spoken Word. And now this is the, the second. And, and um, yeah, really, really looking forward to, to opening Do you guys that write your lines independently or together? How do they crisscross? Because they mesh so well. But how does that, what's that writing process like? Yeah, so we write individually. So everything that I said, I wrote. Everything that he said, he wrote. And then what we do is then we find ways and gaps within our pieces as to where it marries and how we can go back and forth. And that was the formatting for that piece. With this this new piece, Wade in the Water, again, everyone's delivery was was what they wrote themselves. Uh, and then we just find, you know, that thing in which is able to link everyone's piece together and that through line. So, yeah, it's a process where we, we know what we want to say. We know what we want to talk about, the subject matter and, and what we want to convey. And then we will go off into our own labs and create and write whatever it is that that message that we want to tell. It reminded me, and it's, it's pretty direct with, with the, I'm going to call it the lyrics, right? Because uh, it's such a lyrical piece, but of these opportunities, because it's, like you said, it's, it's about the COVID experience and these opportunities. And maybe this is a privileged view. It is in many cases, I'll admit that. But the opportunities for, rein, for reinvention, right? Mm. To stop, to be kind, to be better, to revisit the why of COVID. Is there a lesson here? Is there a lesson from Mother Nature, from God, from who knows, right? Can we not do better if we take this chance to slow down and to listen, as you say, to listen, to listen, to listen? It's just a heart-poundingly, it's a powerful piece. So thank you for making it. It was really appreciated last night. Thank you for watching. It was a hell of a segue into the first purge. I'm like, oh! And then your comedy, I'm like, what? You know, I was a little schizophrenic here. But I yep. love the way the spoken words allow you to tackle the biggest issues in very short, but expressive, deep mm-hmm. content. Definitely conversation starters. Definitely yeah, conversation. Oh, you know what I want to ask you? Yeah. I'm just getting excited now. You can tell because I'm talking faster. My pitch is getting higher. You know what I want to ask you? Um, I love it, Todd. There's another Brit school. You went to Brit school. There's another Brit school talent that this reminded me of Kate Tempest and her piece, Europe is Lost. Have you ever heard of her? Have you ever seen that Europe is Lost? I'll send you I a have, link if you haven't. I have not. Please do send okay. it to me. And then I look at piece? Yeah. I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link to it. Switching gears for a second. Four years ago, four and a half years ago, you said that the key for you in your work is to not wait around for something to happen, to not wait for roles and to instead create your own content, do your own thing. And that's totally what you've been doing. You were, what, 23, maybe 22 at the time? You, you know, how did you learn that super powerful key when you were so young in the game? I think um, a big part of it I, I learned from my mom. I think, you know, uh, my mom, is a, she's a life coach. And, you know, so from a very young age, I was installed with the fact that I can achieve and do anything that I want to do. And that married with my dad, which is which is the most hardworking man I ever met. And, you know, marrying that self-belief with that hard work and determination told me that, okay, well, self-belief tells me that I'm going to be 
in this position and I'm going to amass and, and create and achieve X, Y, and Z. And hard work tells me that in, in order to get there and in order to do that, I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z and I'm going to have to put in the work and do it myself. Um, and, you know, just being in a position where I know and understand that unless I'm willing to do it and put in that work, then it's never going to happen. I always ask people when I mentor my young people, I ask them, if no one gives you the opportunity to do whatever it is that you want to do, will you still achieve it? If the answer to that is no, then you need to rethink your strategy. You need to rethink how you're going to go about it because that shouldn't be an option. What you're then saying is that if no one comes and, and hands it to me or no one comes and gives me that opportunity, then I don't get to achieve whatever it is that I'm, I'm working towards. That shouldn't be an option for you. You should you, you know, be in a position where you are going to achieve it. And so, yeah, from a very young age, I was uh, 17 years old when I first made Man on the Wall, which was my first my first show on YouTube. I was tired of going up for auditions and, you know, getting the same hoodie number one, thug number two and thug number three and said, look, okay, in order to be able to change this and do something about it, I can't just sit here and wait for someone to do it for me. I'm going to have to go out there and, and make something happen. Hence why they're making the show, which then led to us um, it turning from a YouTube show into a TV show. So yeah, man, that, that's, that's always been my angle and been everything that inspires me to get off my ass and get it done. So there's a great, there's a great learning lesson there. It's pretty direct, everybody. When it comes to uh, your passion, taking your passion and and turning it into your your career. Um, just work real hard. Go do it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right, that's, that's that's Wade's lesson right there. But let's talk about because you mentioned you mentioned your parents. Let's talk about parents for a second. Mm-hmm. For a second, your dad he worked to help uh, disadvantaged youth get ahead in life. Your mom, like I said, ordained minister and and life coach. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are some super nice humans. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, just doing what they're doing. Have you always felt growing up in that household that you wanted to be part of a larger solution? Did your mom and dad actively talk to you about having this sort of sense of social responsibility? Or is that just, it was unspoken, just a natural outgrowth of being in the Wade family? I think, I, I think a, a bit of both. I think it was definitely a natural outgrowth and, you know, just the demands in which we were told as kids, like just even straight up, like you're, you are black, you're a young black man in the UK. You're going to have to work 10 times harder than your white counterpart just based on the color of your skin, systematic injustice, et cetera, et cetera. So from a very young age, I understood that, you know, going for a job interview, them seeing, well, luckily, you know, different for me, but like my brother, um, for example, his name's Jerome, them seeing his name written on a piece of paper, they're going to know that he's a black man. And from that point, they're going to be able to make a decision based on, okay, do we want to hire someone black before they even get him in the room? So these things, yeah. you know, put you in a position where you're like, okay, cool. How do I get around that? And my parents would install in me that the way to get around it is to do it yourself, is to own, is to, you know, be in a position of power. And you have a responsibility in order to not only help yourself, but also to help others, each one teach one. The, the whole thing is, you know, you can get up, but if you're not helping someone else get up, then there was no point you being there in the first place. Nothing in which we do is for ourselves. Otherwise, if there's anyone in the world that can do what they do without any other humans being in the world, then you don't exist because that doesn't exist. I, I'm a movie star. I'm a, t- I'm a TV star. And without people to view my work, my job wouldn't exist. Me being able to inspire and help a true, community true. without people being in the world, it doesn't exist. You creating this podcast without people being in the world to listen to it, there'll be no point you creating this podcast. This tells us that everything that we do is not for ourselves and it's for other people. And therefore, we should be of service. Amen to that. That's fantastic. All right. Your parents did a great job. 
Congrats. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. You, Thanks, you listened Thank to this, Mom. You did a great job. So <laughs> it, it's also clear from checking you out online, it's amazing what, when you stalk somebody for an hour. Like, you find out a lot of stuff, <laughs> all right? Uh, but don't don't put my name in Google, anybody. It's, my, like, the whole, like, that guy's super nice club? What? It's clear that you love your dad a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And like mine and, uh, you know, too many others, your dad left us early. You know, I try to think that, of course, I try to think my dad would be proud of me. And in a weird way, I've gotten to know him a lot better after his death, you know, as my own life experiences and perspective give me better insight into his story, right, than the insight I had as a child. I wouldn't say that he guides my life choices, but I do feel that I know what his advice would be now mm-hmm. better than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever sort of consult with your dad on life choices in that way? You know what I mean? Like, does he, how, how does he still impact your big choices? 100%. I was very close to my dad. My dad was like my best friend. He was, you know, someone in which was with us when we were creating our show, ended up managing me and my, my co-stars yeah. and just was with me my whole journey. And we had that relationship where, you know, I would tell my dad things in which you tell your best friend. Um, I would tell my dad things in which you shouldn't tell your dad. Um, and so <laughs> that, <laughs> that relationship, you know, I learned so much and I was installed so many messages and was told so many things from when he was here that those things never leave and those principles are things in which I can use and generate on a day-to-day basis. And so I often go back and consult and, you know, even going back to videos, old videos that I have of him and conversations. Um, Luckily, I was in this, you know, media world where I'm shooting things. And so I have a lot of video footage of either conversations that we had or, you know, just things in which he would do that I can kind of go back on. But I even remember as my dad passed away from a heart attack and when he thought he was going to survive it and he was um, in the hospital the last thing that he that he said to me was that you know everyone in this world has a responsibility and an opportunity and you have to take yours and you know every do everything in your power in order to do that fake it till you make it put yourself in the position wherever it takes in order to be able to impact and generate uh, uh wealth and and change lives and so you know taking that overall perspective I kind of go back to that and then just look at what he done as an as a physical example um, for, you know, the hard work and determination and everything that he put himself through in order to provide for for his family. So, yeah, man, 100 percent. I go back to that and, and and constantly in tune with with my dad. He's always there with you. Uh, it's something yeah. you just said. I don't know if you know how big it is, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you how big it is as as a dad for three sons. Uh, but my oldest son, uh, he's 18 now. His name's Justice. And um he says things to me that you shouldn't say to your dad, like you just said, right? Mm-hmm. And as a dad, I will tell you how, I can't tell you how big that is, how big that is and, and how um, gratifying it is because you just feel as a dad like, man, I've got an incredible connection with my son who is a good man who trusts me completely. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times as a parent where you wonder if you're doing a good job. There's so many instances to feel guilty and to feel like, you know, you're messing things up. But when your kid trusts you with things that go beyond what is, you know, normal, this level of trust, it really lets you know that you're doing a great job, you yeah. know? So I can, I can promise you your dad felt that way when you yeah. came to him with these things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the biggest things. I'm embarrassing Justice again. I do like once every podcast. He's like, Dad, don't say that. My friends are going to hear that. I'm telling you shit. I'm like, eh, your friends aren't listening to this podcast, so don't worry about it. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, it's a big thing. It's a big thing, Jovan. It really is. Yeah. So, um, no, nah, I appreciate it. And I know I, I, I can, you know, and kudos to you because it, it even means so much to make uh, your son comfortable enough to do that. That, that. that takes a real unique twist and perspective and, and openness from a parent to be in a position where your son feels like they can. I had those conversations with my dad because I felt like I, I could. He made me feel comfortable enough to be able to share this information with him. And it takes a lot to do that. And I believe that, you know, when I have my kids, when I have my son and my daughter, I want to be able to be in a position where they are going to be able to come to me for anything because you want that to be the case. You don't want them to be suffering of anything or going for anything and you don't know. And if you have that relationship with them, then you know that you're always going to be in that position. So yeah, man, kudos you to know, you too. So if, you know my secret? It's just to make him feel wildly uncomfortable all the time. So that way, nice. things like this are nothing. Nice. You also said, you also said, when I mentor my young people a minute ago. So mm -hmm. that's a simple move into, like your dad, you have your own organization looking mm -hmm. to better the world, better the lives of people. Mm -hmm. It's called Wade's World. What's mm -hmm. Wade's World? Wade's World is essentially my perspective. It's my foundation, um, which allows me to inspire, uh, motivate, and help you know the next generation and the generation before me to become their the best versions of themselves and using my perspective everything in which i'm passionate about wage well being the overarching um foundation but within that i have a load of different subsidiaries so i have wage rap which is everything to do with filmmaking rap with a w i have wage workouts which is you know i'm a health and fitness freak i love working out um, I have, you know, Wade's wellness, which is everything to do with wellness and, and the mind, Wade's wisdom, which is every all of my wisdom and my gems and everything that I've learned or things I've experienced and sharing that. Um, and that opens up even to, you know, Wade's wallet, time management, management, money management, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's, you know, taking all of the things in which I'm passionate about or which I feel like I have something to offer and putting them under this one umbrella of Wade's world, which allows and helps me to connect with people and, you know, mentoring, whether it be uh, on a personal development and inspirational level, or if, even if it comes down to media and production and acting, um, whatever it is that I can do in order to help or working out and helping to advise on how someone can get biceps like Cyborg or whatever that might be, you know. Um, so this foundation is something which is going to be huge. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about and is the closest thing to the extension of, of who I am and, and what I want to leave behind in this world. And where do, where do we find, well, I'll put the link, your link tree in here and everything, but people are listening, what's the easiest way to find Wade's World? Just type in Wade's World. Yeah, Boom. just type in Wade's World on social medias, um, Instagram, on, on YouTube, on, yeah, everything's there and you can connect. Do you have a, um, do you have a morning routine? I do have a morning routine, yeah. Yeah, let's have it. Yeah, my morning routine is I usually wake up every day around 6 a.m., uh, first thing I do when I get out of bed is I, you know, write down everything that I'm grateful for and just seek gratitude. Thank God for having another opportunity of waking up and, and being able to do it all over again. Um, after that, usually stretch and try and, you know, get all of those toxins and everything out there. Um, and then I will read like a segment or something from my Bible. Um, and then after that point, I'll get up, I will have my breakfast and, and eat something and then get into a workout, go out in my backyard or if my boxing coach is coming over, we'll, we'll box or I'll do some weight training or go to the gym pre-COVID and then come back, get ready, get showered and then jump on my laptop and get into my emails and start connecting with you. Well, now London because we're, we're a few hours behind them and, and right. try and get as much out of that day as I can before they go to sleep. 
The power of a morning routine, we've talked about it a few times on this podcast. And I think, starting with you, I'm going to ask every guest about their morning routine. Because if you can lock in to just, just organizing the first couple hours of your day, you always want to leave some flexibility in the rest of your day. But it's a big help because you know that each day it's, it's, it's set. You're not waking up confused about what's next. Right? Exactly. And I love the gratitude journaling. The gratitude mm-hmm. journaling is one of the best things you can do to start. All right, especially 100%. if you're doing it with a pen and paper, get your get your hand, brain, everything all connected. Um, do it. Yeah, and if, get into if you're not grateful, if you don't, you know, see that gratitude, then you can't get anything more because you have to be happy in where you are and be grateful for what you have in order to get more. So yeah, that that's the number one for me, that gratitude. And um, before, you know, I used to do a lot of daily affirmations also and just, you know, tell myself how great I am. It's funny, but, you know, everyone's taken the cookie out of the cookie jar and told the white lie and said, I didn't do it. And you say that enough times to the point where you start to believe that you didn't take the cookie out of the cookie jar. That happens Mm. the same way with affirmations. Mm. You tell yourself enough times that you're great, you start to believe it. So daily affirmations is also something which is really key and I would recommend. All right. I'm going to start. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Once I feel comfortable with that, once I feel comfortable oh, with that, I might move on to great. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm pretty That's good. It. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty six out of ten. I'm a six out of ten. I'll keep that up for a year, and then we'll go seven. Um, That's it. So you have a bunch of passions. It's crazy. I mean, we're just we're just very lightly touching over each one. Writing, producing, starring. You've got your um, foundation. There are a lot of different worlds that you're involved in. Does anyone? I'm curious if like an agent or a manager ever come to you and say, Jovan, maybe you should focus on fewer things or try to stay in your main lane. Or is your diversity your appeal? What's yes, the challenge Yes, there? well, I, I had that originally. Like I was told, oh, you're doing too much. You, you're focused on like 500 things at one time. And that was just me. That I can't, I can't help that. That's just the way that I'm wired. I, I start things and I will always see things through and develop things. But the moment I get them to a place where I feel like they're in a certain position. I want to start something else. I want to do something else. I think that's the the entrepreneurial in in, in me. Um, but yeah, I did get told by you know various people in which I've been working with throughout my career. Look, you're doing too much, or just stop this and focus on X, Y, and Z. Or okay, uh, if you're you know focused on comedy, how are you going to be able to do drama at some point? I'm like, look, I'm good enough to do all of it, and it doesn't really matter what you've done. It matters how good you are. And if you can offer an opportunity where, okay, you know, Will Smith, he started off with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was a comedy. And now he's one of the biggest dramatic actors in the world. You know, so it's like, it doesn't really matter where you've come from or what you're doing. As long as you can do it, then you can do whatever you want. And those same people who told me, don't do this or don't start this company, focus on Man on the Wall, don't start a whole platform. How are you going to start a whole platform when you haven't even got off the ground yourself? Get to Hollywood first and then blah, blah. No, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I'm passionate about and what I love. And I have the capacity to do all of it. So I'm going to. And I encourage anyone that feels that or feels that way to, you know, listen to their gut and to go. Because if I listen to those people that told me not to do these things, I'd never be where I am today. And that is now the appeal. You know, I I got my agent, WME, which is one of the biggest agencies in Hollywood, based on the fact that, you know, they said to me, we love that you're not just an actor. We, We can get just an actor anywhere. There's tons of them. But you've got your own media company, your own production company, you've got your own foundation, you've got all this, you write, you produce, you direct, you all these bows that you have is what makes you so appealing and makes us want to work with you. So that, you know, what was told to me as my downfall ended up being my biggest strength. I totally agree. I'm, I, I'm a big, um, 
I don't want to be against something. How do you rephrase it? I'm a proponent of not specializing, of, of moving not so much in the way I'm against it. I'm against hyper-specialization, right? We see it in the world all over the place as we try to turn, you know, humans into sort of like very specialist, you know, uh, man, no, generalize and be awesome at everything. Yeah. Be awesome at everything, or at least try, because yeah. that is such a fun life. Um, yeah. You were a comic book geek, mm-hmm. right? Probably mm-hmm. still are, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, and I saw that you're a fan of Michael Fassbender. Great, yeah. I just saw him the other day in The Counselor. Uh, which was, ah, I was like, Cormac McCarthy wrote the script. The script was kind of meh. Maybe he should stick with fiction novels. I don't know. Anyway, people are going to hate me for saying that. Uh, love Cormac McCarthy. Didn't love that script. But he's in Prometheus, X-Men. You have a role as a superhero, Doctor Who, sci-fi. Is that something that, that you just are into? Yeah, I love sci-fi. Yeah. I, it's my favorite genre. What do you um, think of Prometheus? Did you see that? I did Aliens see Prometheus. Yeah. I did see the Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it's it was kind of cool. a love hate movie. Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it yeah. was cool. Um uh I thought that it was like it had the, the I just love Fastbender. So anything he's okay. in, I enjoy and I'm engaged and I'm you know, his performances I'm 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 on to. So yeah. yeah, you know, I thought it was a cool film, but I thought he was great in it. Um, he was. He and was. And yeah, I think that, you know, sci-fi is something for me, which is huge. The reason being is because it's a genre in which we don't usually get to perform in, you know, it's something that it's a world as an actor, your imagination is your key asset. And sci-fi is, is a direct, um, you know, pigmentation of uh, imagination because these things don't even exist. It's not even real. And we get to, you know, I, I love being in the position where I can't see the monster in front of me and they're telling me, imagine that this, well, so, uh, you know, director, how, how tall is this thing? What does it look like? What is it? Yeah, What's it like? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. we get a description or a picture, and we got to imagine that. And now, you know what I mean? We're fighting. Like, and, oh, it's an old white yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, maybe I'll delete that. I don't know. Maybe not. No, cute. Um, there we go. Favorite comic later. book that still hasn't blown up into a movie? Is there anything out there you're like, man, when are they going to make this into a movie? And I want to do that, or I just want to see it. Ooh, um, for me, it was New Mutants, which they finally put out. But I heard it was ter- not that great. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but that was the one I always wanted to see made. I'm looking forward to Static Shock. Yeah, I think I think that that at some point will will be created. I think they're looking at a lot of these kind of like black superheroes now that have kind of you know of the success of even stuff like Black Panther, um, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Chadwick. You know, yeah. things in which have been, uh, you know, opened up, but not really explored and really, really strong comic books and, you know, uh, fan bases for those things. But they just haven't been evolved yet into a TV narrative or any film. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this new age of, uh, you know, black superheroes, uh, you know, Miles Morales. Can't wait to see mm. them put that into a, a, an action, a live action movie and see a black Spider-Man. And, you know, these these I'm, I'm a real advocate for that. And, and you know allowing our, our young people to be able to look up and be like, oh, well, I can be a superhero, you know, is, is, is really important to me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to all of that kind of stuff. We hear this phrase a lot, and I'm just, I'm jumping around, this is how I do it, it doesn't matter. People love it anyway, right, everybody? You love this podcast, because it jumps around, it doesn't make any sense. This is your favorite keep podcast. Around, Tell your friends. Tell your friends. So we hear this phrase, that you are a product of your environment a lot. And you have some strong thoughts on that, and this idea... Uh, has really helped accelerate your personal development and career, yeah? Mm-hmm. 100%. I think, the, you know, 
productive environment. We hear this phrase all the time, and I ended up doing a, a video where I actually broke this down. And you know, which is why I'm asking because I loved it. But can thank you do you. that in a shorter version? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, like to be a product of your environment. I also link to you know the fact that everything you have is within. We've always heard you're a product of your environment, and you've always, and we've also heard everything you have is within. But what the hell does that actually mean? You take two seeds, right? An apple tree. You've got apple tree A seed, apple tree B seed. You plant them both in the ground. The 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 everything that for that apple tree to become a really nice flourishing apple tree with great apples that you can sell in the market. The only the the only difference is where those seeds are planted. So if you plant one in a box um, and you put it in a dark room with no sunlight, with you know someone that comes to it every day and says, "Oh, you're never going to grow," versus the other seed in which you plant in the middle of uh, you know uh, a beautiful um, harvest in Africa with some great sun and someone comes and waters it every single day and it's getting someone coming up to say, you know, I love this plant and it gets that love and energy. That tree is going to grow into a phenomenal apple tree and bear a lot of great fruit. The other, yeah. the other seed in which was in the room is essentially just not going to grow because it doesn't have anything that it needs. That doesn't take away from the fact that both of these seeds had exactly what was needed within them in order to be able to manifest and become the apple trees in which they should have become. The difference was where they, where they were placed, the, the environment in which those seeds were placed in. Hence why you are a product of your environment. Wherever you have or whatever you need is within you, but wherever you place that seed, and so I kind of translate that into our real lives, where are you placed? Where are you planting your seed? Where is your seed based? You know, um, do you have these people around you that are able to kind of uh, motivate you and tell you and, you know, shower you with love and help to cultivate that seed into becoming the apple tree in which you want to become, as opposed to being in a position where you have that negativity around you and you're in a dark room and a dark box and, you know, essentially building into depression. So, yeah, that, that that's a way in which I felt you know, really registered with people and they were able to kind of understand exactly where I was coming from on that and just start to understand and grasp that concept of being a product of your environment. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think it applies to everyone, and it's not just kids growing up. It's also, you know, you could be 65 years old right now, you can change your environment. I mean, hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, if you just, it's something to reflect on and wonder, is this my best environment? And sometimes that answer can be hard if you're being really honest with yourself. And, you th and the answer is, no, it's not my best environment. What levers do I have access to to change that, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that can be really tricky. That can be a challenge. But I, it's, it's a great thing to assess routinely, folks. You know, mm -hmm. assess your environment, assess uh, who you're spending time with. Anyway, I appreciate the reminder. So we have three quick things to, unfortunately, wrap this up because I could go into so many directions with you. First one is, I just want to get it out. Any big roles, projects that we need to be watching out for? on the horizon yeah, so, i know it's covid so it's tough yes yes 100 so i'm really focused on you know the, the season three of doom patrol right now that's mm -hmm. that's what i'm gearing up for all my time and attentions going into that um but i've got uh, a few uh projects in development um tv shows that i've got in development which uh, i've you know been behind producing and also star myself and also a couple of movies in which i'm uh, creating off my own back as well which star myself which i've written um and can't really say too much about them, but next year they, they, they're going to be looked to be produced and, and get out to the world. And then, yeah, man, just consistently creating and, and, and developing and, and finding ways to, to keep penetrating this market. Making all sorts of stuff. So everybody just keep an eye out. Just just add add a note. Here's the thing. Part of your morning, your morning ritual that you guys are going to start doing, after you write Grateful for the Nice Work podcast and Grateful for Jovan's Wisdom, 
right, check in to see what Jovan's up to. Just do that every morning, like at 8.15, all right? <laughs> and there'll be something different. And then, you know, that's a good way just to, just to, just to stay in touch, you know, with, with, with what's up to it. Yeah, that's cool. Exactly. Uh, you know, you don't have to add Todd on there, but you can. You can say what Jovan and Todd are up to. Yeah, add yeah. Todd, come on. It's just a recommendation. You don't have to do it. But if you do do it, you know, I'll send you some Super Nice Club stickers. Just let me know that you did it. Just lie. Say you did it. Message me, and I'll send some in the mail to you. For real. All right. Do you have – we let the guests do – we wrap the show up by having the guests issue a super nice challenge, which is just something that the listeners can incorporate into their life maybe one time, maybe every day, something to make their world, their world a little bit nicer. Do you have any kind of challenge for people? I do have a challenge for people. Um, the challenge that I would have um, – and, you know, you could take this in a different way because we are in a pandemic and not everyone is outside. But whether you're outside or whether you're messaging someone on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be, have a challenge where for 24 hours, everything in which leaves your mouth is going to make someone's day super nice. It's going to make someone's day a better day than they were originally going to have. Every single conversation, every new person you meet, every new person that you speak to or, or people that you've been speaking to, but every conversation in that day, try and focus on making that person feel super nice, whether it be a compliment you give them, whether it be something that you do for them, whatever that might be. But every person you interact with in that 24 hours, make it super nice for them. Okay. I love it. Challenge accepted. This is starting. Oh man. I don't know. I'll, I'll do it next week sometime. <laughs> That's going to be hard. It's not, actually, it's not that hard during COVID because we're only hanging out with like two people. So exactly. all right. challenge, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. This is going to help a lot of relationships out there. We, there we, we appreciate this in advance. And then finally, Jovan, do you have a question for me? You can throw anything at me. I'll answer it. I'll do my best. Yes, I do. What made you go with super nice? There are many words that, that, that could have embodied the messaging and what you're trying to put out there, but you went with super nice. Why? It's super a good nice? question. It's a good question. And I have some people sometimes come to me and say, why don't you use the word kind? Kind is a little bit more accurate and nice is a little more to some people flippant, you know, not as serious. Mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't have a choice because I didn't really name it. Um, I won't get into the whole story because I have before, but I was having a daydream, uh, this little girl who was in uh, church, and she grew up in the church. In her case, she, I have detailed daydreams. This is why I'm a writer, I guess, right? Um, she grew up in the church. She got older, and uh, she just started seeing so much conflict and so much hypocrisy in her church, right, mm. that she ended up just saying, you know what? I'm out. I'm bouncing. And it's like I'm taking God with me. And I'm going to start my own. It's not going to be a church because when she was a little girl, she was enticed into it by, by a pastor saying, hey, do you want to join our club? You know, we have this superhero. His name's Jesus and he can do all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, that sounds really cool, you know, because she was like four years old. She's like, I'm going to start my own club. And everybody's invited from all the churches, from or not churches, whatever. And it's just going to be called the Super Nice Club. And I was like, damn, that's a good idea. I like this daydream. I got up, I went inside the house, I made the logo real quick and just put it up on Facebook because I was at a time where if I had an idea, I had to do it. Yeah. I, had a, I had this rule for me for one year. If you have an idea, you have to execute it, at least to the point of failure or a point of going, this is a really dumb idea. 
Mm -hmm. right? But you have to do something. You have to at least write it down, talk to somebody about it, flesh it out as far as you can. So I did with that. And so her words, maybe I'm sounding like I have multiple personality disorder or something, um, but her words were Super Nice Club. So I, I ran with it. I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't even me. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Like that, yeah. that and that's why I asked because it, yeah. it's, see, it's super nice. It, it feels good. Yeah. And it's been nice because I also have the trademark on just super nice. Nice. And that's for like uh, fashion designer collabs for yeah. little higher end clothing stuff. I don't know. That's a whole different thing. Um, I'm also excited about it, but it's a little bit down the road. That's the first time I've ever mentioned to anybody, but that's what's going to happen. That's going to be another one of the platforms. Just you heard it here first. I got an exclusive. Yeah, yeah. you got to be exclusive. That's right. That's right. Joe Van, thanks for your time, man. Welcome to LA. Congratulations on your, on Wade in the Water dropping today, dropping two minutes ago. Yep. Two minutes Dropping ago. two minutes ago. So seriously, when I'm done with this, I'm going to go watch it. So congratulations. And thanks for being so great and so smart, man. Anytime, my brother. Thank and, you for and having me, man. swole. You're huge. Yeah. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's Wade's workouts, bro. Wade, Wade's workouts. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk We're to you good. soon. All right, brother. Take care, man. And there you have it. A super nice conversation with super nice Jovan Wade. He's a great dude. Young, 27, and just starting on his way. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm just going to say it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what he's standing for, what he is going to do, just how he's been brought up in this world, uh, especially during this time right now with all this election drama. Listening to and talking with a man like that gives me, gives me hope, really does, gives me hope in a nicer world that we can do it if we, if we want to. That's, that's a big question. Do we want it? I hope so. Anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate all of you members, non-members, human beings. I love you and stay nice. So what? Big deal.